any practical suggestions slash tips slash readings to help us survive out in the fast-paced, <laughs> loud world <laughs> where we don't have such a conducive environment for mindfulness. You are both wonderful, and I love Tatiana's sessions. Janet is a saint. (laughs) 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 Suggestions, tips, readings to survive in the fast-paced, loud world where we don't have such a conducive environment for mindfulness. (sighs) Yes. Um... Um, don't cling to this form you know retreat is retreat and it's very informative and skillful um, and conducive to calming and insight Um, and of course daily life um, is not like that and um, so we can't have the same expectations of ourselves uh, you know, to expect the same type of experience of whatever it, it may be that's showing up here for you. <clears throat> that being said, there are a lots of, you know, sit retreats, <laughs> go on retreats, uh, daily practice, you know, all the things like la- when we were talking about right efforts last night and, and there was so much wisdom here shared of what helps me to be mindful and uh, uh, understand what right effort is needed when? And you know, you you, you all you all answered all those of um, daily practice, taking care of the body, having sangha, community of um, <coughs> safe and like-hearted folk. Um, It is, you know, uh, as much as possible, you know, the um, uh, as is described, you know, to in the teachings, you know, to go to a quiet hut, a forest, sit at the foot of a tree, you know, and um, if you can, find as much stillness and quiet as possible, even if you have to get up earlier before other people and whatever, all the infinite ways of finding that, that's helpful. Um, But then some of us don't live in that type of... That's not necessarily available. And then, you know, so how do we... It was was pretty great today to practice, you know, relatively, to practice down there at the water with the dog barking, the kids screaming, people talking (laughs) about, you know... Whatever and um, jet skis and beer cans and um, you know so oh wow it's like this but still there could be some a fair amount of mindfulness of um, yeah readings yeah it's a good question there you know yeah um, keep reading the Dharma and keep practicing and finding community and and good luck
When Dharma teachers are going for chocolate cake, shouldn't they take the middle piece? <laughs> you took the first piece. Remember, you took the first piece. <laughs> Where is the line between compassion for others and compassion and respect for our, uh, oneself? Yeah, that's a good, uh, good uh, question. Um, and in a way, also, that is a... Um, the, maybe it's um, how does it come to me as um, you know the the practice we want to develop is um, is um, so tuned in um, uh, presence that the response that uh, comes out is um, and that's sometimes a description of nirvana. What is nirvana? appropriate response. Appropriate response includes all beings, or would, you know. So, um, compassion uh, for another that would not include self wouldn't be uh, a wise response, you know. Uh, and and um, so that's how I see this, is um, almost uh, situations, almost as equations, you know. So there's what's needed there, there's what's p possible here. What, uh, and so the, the calm and attention that we develop is to be able to be honest and see clearly what is happening and what is possible, you know. Uh, underneath the idea that I should be like this, I should be more generous, or I should this or that, what is actually here and what is possible? And um, and maybe that's why that in these four Brahma Viharas, uh, uh, equanimity is, is there, because equanimity is an acceptance of the conditions that are there. You, know? you might need something that I might not be able to give you right now. You know, and can that be okay? You know, can that be okay for me? You know, and uh, so there's a deep honoring of the full equation, not just what's happening over there, or not just what's happening here, but uh, what's happening uh, in the whole uh, field. You know, so I don't know if that's helpful uh, as an answer. Um, and, uh, you know, when we talk, one of the dangers, I think, when we talk about kindness, generosity, compassion, there could be a feeling that one has to give everything or, um, you know, not set boundaries. And I think that bo boundaries yeah, is, uh, is, 
is a really important uh, aspect of the wisdom and expression of wisdom to be able to say, whoops, the line is here for me, you know. This is what's possible, what's not possible, what's okay, what is not okay, you know, and to be able to really um, make these distinctions. So if I'm hearing in the question, you know, should we give everything, take care of the others, forgetting ourselves? No. That wouldn't be wise, you know, because, you know, like if we take, for example, in terms of being here for me as a teacher, if I uh, give too much, you know, if I was like, I'm going to meet everybody at any hours of the day, you know, I would go back home and not go to the next retreat because I would be exhausted or resentful or confused or, you know, so, you, you know, so what's the right, what's available in Pascal this week, you know? What's possible, you know? And, uh, the, and this, et voila, you know? And uh, how can that be um, offered in service, you know, of, the, you know, of uh, everyone's uh, well-being, you know? And, uh, and, and like this, you know? So if I show up uh, one week and I'm particularly sick, or some, you know, then it has to be in the balance of what's going to be offered, you know. And I think it's actually generous to say, ah, actually, no, this not, I can't, you know, not, this no, you know, it's not available. Uh, and so in this way, there's integrity, there's respect, and there is care. And so there might be like more of a long run thing there, you know, like. Uh, so just a few ideas on this. Of course, none of these will totally, you know, resolve. You know, it's just a few reflections. I think it says the distance between unworldly... Worldly, worldly and unworldly feelings, for sure. The distinction oh. between worldly, unworldly uh, feelings. Yeah. That's feelings. Or something. Okay. Oh. Um. The distinction between worldly and unworldly, yeah, worldly of the world, worldly and unworldly feelings. I'm I'm skipping a couple mm-hmm. of words because okay. I. Can I don't know if I can answer that. I could do. You give you a go. Mm-hmm. Thanks. I mean, I can I can do the one about chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. Dr- I'm So, so you know how we talked about feeling tone, pleasant, uh, unpleasant, and neutral, which comes with any experience as that tonality. If we removed it, we wouldn't recognize life. We would say something's missing, you know. There's music playing, but, you know, like it's the fact that it's, that it's pleasant that, you know, is, uh, is very central in our experience. Um, and so the Buddha, when he talks about feeling tone, that aspect of experience, you know, something taste, something salty, uh, something sweet, but there's also this aspect of 
being pleasant or unpleasant. So the Buddha talks about feeling tone in three ways, divided in three, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. But he talks also about it in six ways. So each one of the feeling tone, pleasant, he says there's pleasant that is worldly and pleasant that is unworldly. It's very, very rich teaching. He says there is unpleasant that is worldly and unpleasant that is unworldly. We could say uh, maybe uh, entangling or liberating or spiritual. And, and then, again, I'm saying a few words here. It's for you after to go and see uh, if you recognize this. And he says there's neutral feeling, things that we feel that are worldly feeling neutral and those that are uh, liberating or um, spiritual or unworldly. A neutral feeling tone. Yesterday, when I was talking about uh, spiritual remorse, you know, and I said, this is an unpleasant feeling, but it's liberating. So, in what category would you put this one of the six? Unworldly, liberating, unpleasant. You know, it's unpleasant, but it's unworldly-leading. It's good for us and for others to feel this. There's another other qualities like this. So not all qualities will feel pleasant. So it should feel pleasant if it's uh, liberating. No. The unpleasantness is even there in the, at the heart of, uh, you know, the, 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 the path, you know. And so another type is, um, we call them the guardian of morality or of the world, is the feeling you have when you're about to say something that could hurt, and it doesn't feel good, you know, like, you know, the fear of hurting, you know, or the, you know, uh, preemptive or uh, regret, you know, if I did that, how would I feel? And feeling a preemptive or uh, anticipatory uh, shame. This is not feeling good, and it's extremely good that it's there. You know, it's it's really helpful, and so so that's an example of something, uh, and so something that is um, worldly and uh, and unpleasant is when you knock your toe. You know, it, it hurts. It can easily go towards aversion. You know, mm-hmm. and so it's of the world. It's things that happen in the senses. Do you see? And so, in terms of pleasant, if I give an example of pleasant. Chocolate cake is worldly pleasure for some of us. And so it can lead easily to clinging, attachment in some ways, you know. But met with the right inner condition, you know, there can be something of the world happening. And we actually, and we have experiences of this here where there's beauty happening. It's, a, it's of the senses, you know, a sunset. And instead of falling into clinging, oh, I should move around here, in Ottawa, I don't have that view, you know. <laughs> Instead of this, there might be a beautiful sunset, and, a, and a, such a presence that is not disturbed as usual by, I want to keep it, where's my camera? There's none of this, there's just a quiet mind that actually is deeply touched by uh, pleasure, by beauty, you know. And so, this is a worldly pleasure, uh, something of the senses, mm-hmm. But a pleasure that the Buddha says, hey, I invite you to develop more of this kind of pleasure is the pleasure of generosity. 
the pleasure of self-forgiveness, the pleasure of, uh, you know, if it feels like a pleasure, like uh, like the, the pleasure of um, the joys that you were talking about, the joy, the bliss of blamelessness, the bliss of not having hurt, the bliss of having contributed. When you go to bed at night and you say, well, that was a good contribution. You know, I didn't make too many mistakes in this one, you know. I was helpful. You know, I don't have to blame myself. Mm. This, the Buddha said, that is high-quality pleasure. You know, you can put your pleasure into, oh, I'm back home and I have my, you know, what is the stream thing with my, my own bubbled water, <laughs> you know? Like, I can't wait to have my stream. What is the name of this machine? So the stream. <laughs> you know? The Buddha said, yeah, honey. <laughs> there is gratification in that. But the pleasure of uh, some of the things he named is the, the not hurting others. The pleasure of a, a job well done. The pleasure of sharing the pleasure of, uh, of concentration, of a quiet mind instead of an agitated mind or distracted mind, you know, the pleasure of a gathered mind, and we might have experienced this here, mm. you know. And in terms of neutral, should I give an example of neutral, just to complete the, the six? So an example of neutral is when something is, um, worldly neutral is when something is bland, you know, there's a beige wall, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant, it's just a wall or regular neutral carpet, yeah? So it's of the world and it's neutral. And neutral, so the Buddha is inviting us to move towards these feeling tones that are of the unworldly. And that's what we've been doing here, trying to get more acquainted with these. And he says equanimity is a type of neutrality that you could be in a very charged situation and your equanimity would bring neutrality not flatness, it will still remain very vibrant, but there will be a neutrality where uh, there would be reactivity habitually. So it's a really beautiful kind of neutrality where, uh, you know, and we've experienced this here, at some point there is something that usually we would find annoying, and now we just recognize that it's there. And, you know, it's uncomfortable, but the mind is injecting neutrality in the moment you know, mm-hmm. we're staying calm, you know, instead of adding to the, do you follow this? Yeah. So that's the worldly, so yeah, worldly, unworldly feeling tone. Mm. So there's people coming to the Buddha and they fight, you know, like, the Buddha said there's three feeling tones. No, he said there's six. And they go to the Buddha and, uh, and the Buddha says, he's right. She's right. <laughs> there is six. There is there's three. So there's even two. There's even, uh, you know, if you do the six cents times three, th- three times six, there's also 18 feeling tones. You know, the pleasant at the ear door, the unpleasant at the ear door, the neutral at the ear door, the pleasant at the ma- um, tongue, you know, etc. So he's like, yes, there's two, there's three, there's six, there's 18. And then he goes up to like a hundred and something. <laughs> Could you speak about your relationship with impermanence in your daily life? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I like that. That's, uh, 
it's so relevant. It's so, it's so good. Like this, you know, we're on the cushion and we're, oh, okay, impermanence is coming and going, coming and going. But, you know, it's, to me, the reason we're doing this, the reason we're on retreat, the reason we're doing this form, which to me often seems very bizarre. It's like, what are we doing? This is so weird. But it works, so I trust it. But, you know, we're doing it for these reasons, for, uh, to me, for so that we can go home and be with other people and not be um, causing more harm. And... Um, so yes, in daily life, well, I I wake up in the morning and I look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> oh, aging is happening. <laughs> oh. <laughs> This is a good reality check. This is good to spend some time looking at this and and, uh, seeing its changing nature is uh, helpful uh, regarding attachment, or can be. It is for me sometimes. Um, Yeah. (laughs) This is a personal example. Don't it's, there's no judging of anybody else's choices, but for me, uh, after the first ten-day retreat that I sat, my first meditation retreat, one of the first things that changed in my daily life—I mean, amongst lots—was uh, um, I stopped. It's very mundane, but it's meaningful to me. Stopped coloring my hair because I was like, "Honey." <laughs> Aging is happening. What are you? You're spending a lot of money and time and effort and worry to try to pretend it's not. Like it was kind of an embracing of impermanence, and something was able to let go around around that process. Um, but also, then, just in um, relationship with the other beings in the house that I share. Um, you know, I, I I I still get annoyed and triggered. I mean, I it's good thing I don't live alone because I would be very anal. I would really be like I want you know everything is in its place, and I would get tighter and tighter and tighter. I have that tendency, and so being with other folks that have different ways of being in in a home is uh, touches a lot of stuff and so there's always not always but often you know uh, contractions and disliking and papancha and then it's like mm, okay wanting it to be this way other beings have a different way of seeing how it is okay and then feeling that feeling the contractions seeing all the story and um not reacting, not speaking, <laughs> um, and wait, it just pausing and uh, understanding it's impermanent. 
and it's you know it's clinging it's all the other stuff too um, and that knowing that helps me to pause and sometimes be skillful um, oh I mean there's so many it's it's a it's a great place to to practice really waking up to sometimes physically too like just you know the way we do here the bell rings and aware of the hands like the shoulders start to drop and the hands lift and the hands touch and bowing happens and so sometimes I practice with that at home like just seeing the hand go to the doorknob and it's just pointing to changing changing nature of every moment yeah anything you want to add to that there's a lot I mean how does that show up for you hmm um I, I had the chance to have a partner for a while that's way back was practicing also <laughs> that's what I thought when you read the question was, uh, um, mm. Anthony was a pretty playful person so uh, and uh, the word for uh, impermanence in Pali is anicca and, uh, and you know the word for what is difficult is dukkha and so often you know when something would break you know, finish, <laughs> you know, he would just say, I, I think a little bit like uh, Goenka style, you know, he would say, like, Anicca. <laughs> you know? Sometimes, you know, we would just both be there, like, what? That's not working, you know, and he was like, Dukka. <laughs> and there was a really, uh, like, a, and it was good to get out of the kind of the mind that would be about or already clinging to, you mm-hmm. know, like, that's not, I wanted it to last, I want, didn't want this to break, and, you know, mm-hmm. then it, that was not, that's not meeting my expectation, <laughs> you know. And so there was, a, so there was often this recognition of the impermanent nature of, um, uh, on another way, you know, I've, I've um, so I'm going to try this. It's a very, um, I'm saying this maybe for the first time, but, um, you know, many of you know I live with the HIV, uh, which is totally uh, controllable these days. Uh, but at some point it was not, you know, uh, 20-some years ago. And so there, there was a big hit of... Um, you know, uh, wisdom imparted to me <laughs> the, through life on the on shaky nature of um, life and health and uh, all these things. And uh, and I don't know that I got the message um, in a wise way. You know, I got the message in a scare, sc- scaring way. But uh, Dharma really helped me uh, deepen, the, you know, make this become an insight. And so... It's, um, it feels more like um, it's uh, it's it's often there, you know, like uh, knowing that uh, health, life for myself and others is uh, is really not a given, you know, like that. There's a lot of speculation, projection, uh, imagination, and um, a kind of a recognition that that's what's happening. I actually do not know what's going to happen in this relationship. What's uh, and it makes the acceptance. I can see it. Uh, um, a little easier and um, 
An example that I saw just in the last few weeks is um, I've been going for many years to teach in the States, uh, and I've always had um, a working visa. And uh, f- a few weeks ago, on the day I was supposed to go, the working visa had still not arrived, so I had to cancel a retreat with uh, with uh, my teacher Joseph that we were, you know, that I was happy to see and teach with, you know, and and uh, and uh, there was like, oh, there's no uh, visa, you know, like that. It's not because it was ongoing for many years that, it, you know, and the the mind was pretty calm about it, and I was very grateful. That, that's you know, like I don't want to make it personal. It was just like, I'm so happy that my teacher, you know, showed me this, you know, to. And uh, and then I had to cancel a second one a couple of weeks after, also, you know. And there was like, yeah, that's exactly how it is, you know. And uh, I even went to the border, and they turned me around, you know. And and they, uh, you know, and they, uh, it was really actually a very nice moment, you know. I sp- they <laughs> took pictures of me and all my fingers, and, <laughs> <laughs> and they drove me back uh, with somebody <laughs> in the car. <laughs> But it was really sweet, you know, like everybody was nice, you know, they were saying, <laughs> no, and I was like, yeah, I understand, you know, and like it, 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 it's impermanent, you know, and people are like, hey, what if you don't go, well, if I don't go back to IMS, then I won't, you know, it's, that's how it is, you know, it's, uh, and so, and to me, that was an impermanence that was very kind of, uh, you know, I had this visa, and now I, don't, I might have it again, maybe it's already arrived, you know, but I might not have it. And voila, because somehow it's been shaken in me in terms of health. You know, I know that health is not mine. It's not me. It happens. I try to take care of it, but it has its own rule. I cannot own health. Health belongs to itself. You know, it belongs to the universe. And it can go at any moment. And voila. And knowing this, you know, how is it, uh, you know... You know, at the end of the teaching you give the other day about the right efforts, you know, the, you know the how the knowledge of impermanence, you know, body bloating, dead bodies, you know, how can that lead to the maintaining of joy, you know? Okay. So I could see, like, visa, gone, I was well, I'm still well, you know? Mm-hmm. I have a little thing by my bed that I read in the morning and at night, well... Sometimes I just know it. It was like we did this morning, you know, waking this morning, I smile, a brand new day is before me. And at night, um, you know, this day has ended. My life is shorter. Let me look closely. What have I done? And it goes on, you know, so that starting each day, ending each day with impermanence really fresh. What was one of your most awakening experience as a teacher? As a teacher. Oh, as a teacher. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, for me, there's many because I, I have to tell you, as a teacher in the teacher role, that's an amazing way to practice. Huh? Because, you know, like uh, sometimes I'm speaking and I see like, like, what do you mean, kind of eyes, you know? And like, <laughs> I have to clarify this for myself, you know, to be able to impart it in some ways. And uh, in the meetings, 
there's a lot of uh, learning happening uh, for me, you know, like meeting people will express, uh, other practitioners will express in their own words their understanding. And, and sometimes I hear something, I'm like, oh my God, I've never seen it in this way. You know, like you just, I just saw it as you described it. Or I want to go see for myself what you're describing. And so, but the most awakening moment uh, as a teacher, <coughs> well, something that comes to mind, uh, probably other things will come later, but just now was uh, we were with uh, a few teachers uh, in the... Um, in 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 the in the teacher's room, if you will, uh, and we were um, uh, and we were, um, you know, just playing around, chatting, you know. And I made a, a joke that was um, that was um, uh, degrading, that uh, you know, that that was uh, really coming from kind of male uh, entitlement, uh, white cis male privilege, you know. And um, and uh, actually, it's interesting because I caught it, but the others didn't. And at that moment, <laughs> let's say, and even the person to whom it was degrading, I think you know how we're conditioned to be oppressed in some way in mm -hmm. the different mar marginalized area of uh, our identities, you know. And the, the person was like, "No, nah, it's uh, you know," and and uh, and. Uh, and uh, that was definitely an awakening moment for me that, you know, at this point, there was really like, Pascal, you have to do a, a lot of work to wake up, you know, like there's a lot of things you're, you're blind to, you know, uh, you, and it's still happening uh, today for sure, you know, because these conditionings are really, uh, really strong. But there was definitely a turning point where there was a, you know, talk about... Um, unpleasant feeling tone, uh, a spiritual. This was extremely spiritual, <laughs> extremely unpleasant feeling tone, you know. And uh, the person that I, uh, you know, was uh, involved in this as a kind of a, the victim of my, uh, my uh, feeling like anything I think is worth sharing, you know, and, uh, and unconsciousness, it was, has been extremely, extremely, uh, extremely um, wise around this uh, you know I I, 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 I you know I, it happened with in the you know I, I was very lucky for me that it happened with somebody that that is that and this person stayed stayed in connection uh, completely uh, and uh, and you know we, we had to go through a bunch of things you know but um, uh, yeah, and uh, so that's one that I, you know, definitely remember easily. You know that the, the possibility of this are really high. I mean, they happen also in a way regularly. Uh, you know, in small, s small ways and different ways. You know, and uh, I wouldn't want to, um, like, I'm, as I'm saying this, I'll finish with this. Just saying, I, I don't want to put the attention too much on me. You know, as I was the perpetrator, you know, I'm aware of this, but I, as I'm the one ta talking about the story from my side, uh, I'm aware that, you know, it's okay. I was the perpetrator, you know, and uh, 
And so, voila. You didn't want to share about your most awakening? Oh, um. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, there isn't one that is standing out right now. It's, it's so, it's just so amazing. So, so such a, ugh, such a, thing to be in this dharma seat and and then to try to get out of the way as much as possible is what I'm always trying to do at the same time I know that whenever like it's just all this personality comes out right but it's like it's very interesting to me to know that and like not try to you know pretend this isn't a bunch of personality showing but yeah trying to get out of the way uh, I guess a, a moment that stands out is just you know reading that question about worldly and unworldly and going oh totally blank these are familiar words and then to be able to say mm, I don't know and then you know, being in the Dharma seat in front of everyone and being able to say, I don't know right now, is uh, is a good teaching for me. <laughs> if both of you could invite three meditation teachers <laughs> living, it says, oh, because they knew we'd say Buddha, <laughs> living to dinner... Who would you choose and why? <laughs> yeah. Well, there wouldn't well. be any monastic because they don't eat at night. <laughs> so that's the first problem we have. <laughs> they could have tea while we eat. Uh-huh. Oh, oh. I don't know how you interpret anyway, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can play with it then. Right. Um, I would... I would invite Joseph Goldstein because I I haven't had the chance to meet him in person. I kind of feel a little burned that <laughs> I'm just like that late into you know into Dharma and 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 uh, you know I'm going to IMS for three months retreat in September, but he's not teaching the three month retreat anymore. I'm like, oh man, a couple years earlier I might have had him as a teacher, <laughs> so. Uh, That'll be one of top of my list. I'd like to meet Anushka. Um, that would be great. Um, and who else comes to mind? Hmm. Living. Pascal. <laughs> well, your your wish will be granted in twelve minutes. <laughs> Who would you invite? Thank you so much. <laughs>
Didn't didn't say that. Did it say? Why? Oh, and why? Mm. Oh my gosh, it's obvious. But um, yeah, I explained about uh, Joseph and Anushka because I've heard some of her teachings, and uh, I, I I I like the different view and different different um, some of their teachings. Is 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 there Anushka's pronoun, or do you know? She's a she. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. And um, yeah, that why, Pascal. I don't need to explain. You know why. <laughs> um, I would say. So what comes to mind is um, actually I, I won't be able to uh, tell the na- name and it's I'm so sorry about this but I'll tell you exactly why is uh, or it could be a few people actually let's say uh, a few months ago I um, I was sent a book that will be published in October and the book is an anthology of um, uh, trans uh, Dharma so uh, trans people non-binary people uh, um, um, uh, gender queer. I was going to say uh, Dharma queer people. Gender queer people who um, wrote about uh, they wrote write about the Dharma from their perspective, you know. And um, and uh, I actually devoured the book. You know, I, I devoured the book, and I actually didn't stop to look at the names of the author. You know, in these maybe. I don't know, I, at that point the book had maybe 25 uh, essays, you know, and, uh, and I was so hungry to hear um, the wisdom uh, coming from, uh, uh, you know, people that uh, we, uh, we haven't heard their voice uh, mm-hmm. in the Dharma. And also a sense that I have these days is that... Um, uh, people who are m- marginalized in some ways have a unique point of view on society and on uh, many different things. And so uh, so I want to hear what they see because they see things that uh, many of us can't see. And, uh, and as I was de- devouring this uh, book, there was a lot of um, insight about... Uh, well, about... Um, you know, impermanence and conditionality of gender, gender expression. Uh, you know, what is a true self? You know, and and uh, things that really opened my mind, like uh, you know, to consider that uh, in a way the Buddha was trans. You know, changed his name. You know, cut his hair, put on robes. You know, to express his true identity. You know, and uh, for example, notions like this are really good to meet. You know, uh, or any monastic is a trans person because they chop their hair, change their name, and take on something that expresses uh, truly who they are. You know, and so uh, notions like this to me are very, very rich, uh, and I know I can't get them just anywhere in the norm. You know. And so, uh, and also the joy of um, uh, hearing uh, these voices um, uh, 
And so I think that if I could have dinner uh, with uh, three people, I would say like, oh, any, any, anyone from the book, or let me reread the book. There's, there's, uh, mm-hmm. and I could tell you the names of who I'd like to, you know, to sit with and and get the, the a bit of a download <laughs> from, you know. So that's mm-hmm. what comes to mind. It's American. It's a, it's Canadian. Ameri- it's uh, it's actually uh, I think the publisher is American, but the the people who are um, Gathering the essays are Canadian. Wow. The authors are uh, Canadians uh, and Americans. Mm-hmm. Maybe further away also, but uh, definitely this uh, people from this country. Mm-hmm. Voila. Your turn. My turn. Why is sitting meditation emphasized so much more than movement and uh, and movement meditation? Is, um, <coughs> is there a difference in the effectiveness? So that's just from one uh, perspective here. First, I think that both go really well together. I think that the the my sense is the bringing both together is the it's the best version uh, and uh, in the movement especially what is um, could be like um, you know yoga or um, I'll put in there like qigong or tai chi or something I've seen that in retreats it um, it's extremely helpful and the especially uh, the way I do it, I see it. I'm not trained in these, you know, but uh, just from experience and seeing the rapport with uh, students during the retreats, is uh, I see one thing that I see pretty clearly. I think is that it helps uh, the energy body and the emotional body, and I f- it feels like things move. Because if we um, just sit and walk, sit and walk, sometimes it can get really uh, tight, mm-hmm. which can have it's good sides, you know, because I've spent months of doing this without, and, and uh, you know, um, there can be beautiful uh, uh, qualities develop in that, and understanding and release that happens without, uh, but uh, in this way, it's really, uh, really helpful, and some of the best sits that I had were following, uh, you know, a yoga class, you know, because the body is vibrant, the you know I, I don't know exactly how to talk about it, but it seems like the energy body also is is aligned in some ways and it's uh, alive and uh, out out of the head and in this way. The sitting part, uh, the the kind of stationary, let's call it like this. You know, that could be sitting or laying down uh, without too much movement. To me, there's some investigations that I can do there that I cannot do in movement. Uh, you know, and uh, and, uh, uh, and some of the things we've talked about here, you know, of, uh, um, around it could be around perceptions, around uh, around um, yes, some kind of deconstruction of the self, you know, that needs uh, to me for me uh, uh, immobility. You know, it needs the body to stay there for the mind to actually see, you know, a certain so. Things can be seen because in movement, it's hard to see movement, you know, uh, subtle kinds of movements. So that's uh, one one uh, one thing to say about this. Um, 
Yeah, I wish the Buddha was here to answer that. Uh, uh, but he definitely talked about four postures. You know, there's no doubt about this. Maybe you have something to say about this, you know, being from both worlds. Well, I think it's good to get in some other okay. questions, if that's okay. Totally. Yeah. This is similar, though, maybe, in a related, not similar, related practices for enhancing body awareness. It's a good question. Um, for enhancing, yeah. Hmm. I f- uh, for this body, standing meditation is one that is not often done on retreats, from what I've seen. And uh, I think it's very valuable. It is one of the four postures that the Buddha taught for practice. And uh, it awakens a lot of sensation pretty quickly. It's pretty hard to not feel the body if you're just standing, not shifting, moving so much, you know. A lot of sensation comes, sometimes too much. Um, and uh, I, I think that's a helpful practice for enhancing... Yeah, body awareness is maybe different than bodily sensations, or is it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is asking about body awareness... A body scan is another practice uh, where you systematically move the attention up and uh, down the body. Um, And and keeping the attention moving in kind of a steady rate so that you know the places you can feel easily easily there's a tendency to hang out there and or if it's a pleasant vedana you know stay and feel that and then the places that are neutral you i don't really feel if i'm not moving it do i feel my outer elbow you know or some some other place there's a lot of sensation um <clears throat> And then there's places of unpleasant sensation or strong sensation, and again, and those are pretty easy to f- feel, as we've found out, and or easier to feel. Sometimes, if it's very strong, then there's a, a disconnect can happen. So, a body scan, where you know, regardless of whether um, it's felt or not felt, just keep the attention moving systematically and trying to pay attention to each part of the body, there's different approaches on how that's done, and it's very helpful for awakening bodily awareness and, and sensation. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, you know, these movement practices of, of yoga, tai chi, <coughs> any sort of mindful movement practice are... I remember before I was practicing Vipassana, you know, and friends that are like Reiki masters or therapeutic touch peoples or whatever, um, and, you know, they would talk about these subtle energies they're feeling and, you know, and I was like, what? What? I didn't really know what they're talking about. I'm like, I don't, I don't really 
feel that. It was quite foreign to me. I was like, what? It's just like, it's an arm. What are you talking about? Like, what? <laughs> you know, so it really, sitting still and paying attention, you know, that relates to the other question. Um, you know, feeling into the body in a different way in stillness um, uh, uh, w- awoke a lot of awareness for me. So, there. Five thirty. Should we end with one big one? Let's find you a doozy. Where's a real? Come on. Let's end with a big one. Uh, Wait a minute. There you go. (laughs) What is enlightenment? (laughs) When does it happen? Can we buy it somewhere? Oh, definitely. If yes, how much does it cost? Yeah. (laughs) I think that's a good ending. Let's sit for a moment. Freedom is available in this moment. May we all gain access to it and be able to share others.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.